hey, Jim, look around the room right now. Everyone is here because of you. The moment I heard those words, it changed everything for me. And yet it changed nothing because I truly am what I always felt I was. I'm the connector. That clarity is what brings me to you and what drives this show, the Remote Start Podcast. Here, I connect my lifelong passion for bringing people together with my love of business and branding in hopes that these talks might better connect your community with what your company is all about. So let's figure out your brand. Let's figure out the target audience you want to serve and how we can use these two things to create an incredibly strong community for your business. I'm your host, Jim Doyon. Let's get something started. Remote Start Nation is not having startup experience holding you back from starting your own company. Do you have an idea, but you don't know where to go to get it off the ground? I'm Jim Doyon, your host, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Remote Start. On today's episode, we're going to be talking with one entrepreneur with a military and technical background and how he turned his knowledge and tech experience into a thriving startup. Ian Garrett, CEO and co-founder of Phalanx, which provides visibility and security of digital file access, is going to be sharing with us his journey of becoming an entrepreneur. We're going to be discussing how he leveraged his experience to start his business. We're going to dig into what type of business to start, how to get funding, partnering up and surrounding yourself with the right team, and we're going to look into what to look for when you're choosing the mentor for you. With that said, Ian, I want to welcome you to the Remote Start Nation. Hey, thanks for having me. Really excited to share my story. And uh, honestly, it's, it's been a wild ride since starting. So uh started from having no startup experience, uh, no idea how to even get that first step, um, but learned a ton all along the way. So yeah, excited to share. Um, I'm excited for it. Uh, talking a little bit before the episode, uh, you have a very interesting background and you've had a great career and I, I cannot wait to hear how you transition that into starting your own business. But before we do, tell me something about you that we wouldn't know if we just met. Yeah. So uh, one thing about me is uh, growing up and still to this day, <laughs> I've always just like making my own stuff. Just part of that is the learning process of like, how do you actually go from you know, just raw materials into a product that we use every day or food. Like, so I love cooking, uh, love like crafts and stuff. Um, but the way, the way that's actually shaking out now is actually in this form of hot sauce. Cause I also love spicy. <laughs> uh, so it's, it, I've consumed a lot of hot sauce. So I was like, All right, <laughs> well, you know, there's uh, committing a decent amount of my budget here to hot sauce. How, what if I can make it myself? So I've been, uh, Learning that process, all different styles, you know, like paste or um, different peppers. It's been a it's been a pretty interesting uh, experience. Uh, definitely would recommend if you like hot spicy stuff to make your own. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's is it hard to do? It, it's not at all. So there's different levels of it. So uh, I would say the easiest would be like just buy some dried peppers and you you can turn that into a hot sauce within like ten minutes. Wow. Uh, longer is I would take some fresh peppers and you can ferment those first. And that's to create the really rich um, flavor profile there. But yeah, I mean, if you just want to dab, it takes, I would say like 10 minutes. <laughs> Dude, that's so. pretty cool. 
Ari from Ostar Nation. Look, look for it coming on the shelf soon. Ian's <laughs> hot sauce. Ian's world famous hot sauce. Uh, well, thanks for sharing that with us. Tell so you have a like I said, you have an interesting story. Tell the Remote Start Nation about your background, with your career, how you got started, and we'll we'll get into how that led to you starting your your business. But let's go first, just on the background. Yeah. So I always thought I would be in just pretty much always in like corporate America, <laughs> in a very just being a part of a big system. Uh, so like I've really tailored my early career to that. So uh, initially went to college actually at the United States Military Academy, uh, which is West Point. Uh, I've studied computer science there. That was a lot of uh, a lot of fun. Really, also really interesting experience. Um, let, uh, after I graduated, commissioned in the army as an army cyber officer. So also was able to do a lot of really cool hands-on, um, cyber related computery things in the army. Um, and then after I left, uh, went into a PhD program, also focused in cyber. So there's a beam here, um, and artificial intelligence as well. Um, so it's all really cool research side of things. And then also I had worked as a data scientist, software engineer, um, so there was a lot of you know, building towards, hey, let me just use these great technical skills for a company, do some awesome stuff. Um, but 2020 actually, and, you know, <laughs> disrupted everything. And what I noticed was there was this massive spike in data breaches over 400% uh, in 2020. And that was directly related to all of us, all of a sudden becoming remote workers. And more importantly, the, it, the lack of preparedness of companies <laughs> to have their entire workforce uh, remote. And, you know, me having the operational experience and the research experience of like, what's on the cutting you guys are really, you know, it's culminated together to say like, Hey, there, there's something missing here. And what I believe that missing piece is actually, uh, humans. <laughs> so yeah. there, there just wasn't enough, uh, tools that were built for humans. Everything was kind of built with a control in mind, being like, let's push this down to the workforce. And then all of us are like, Hey, I got a job to do. I can't spend time like i'm not getting paid for my security decisions getting paid to do my job so yeah. we just do whatever's the most productive thing um so we wanted to solve for that and so you get this idea what did you do next in in starting the brand yeah so it, it was like all right here's this you know big idea i just remember like specifically too i was uh i was just woke up uh, mid 2020 uh, looking at the news and then just like reading the news in my bed in the morning <laughs> just being like, you know what, like, I, I, I can solve this problem. You know, now's, now's the time. Um, I've always wanted to start my own company. Like I mentioned earlier, I just always love creating stuff, yeah. um, learning the process of creation. So I wanted to be like, how like, I always wanted to do it myself. Yeah. So I was like, now's the time, you know, the world's chaos anyway, and I can meet customers and investors from the comfort of my house. So why not? Uh, but that being said, you know, coming from the military, coming from, uh, you know, like my family has also been in the defense world, defense contracting. So I was like, I really had no startup experience and not getting any friends. So like, I didn't know if I had friends <laughs> in terms of everyone I knew was also part of big companies. Yeah. Uh, so first thing was, I was just like, all right, I'm going to do this. Let me go find some people to ask about how to do this. Um, fortunately, uh, my wife actually had a friend who started the company about a year or so uh, beforehand, and then she was successfully 
uh, raised venture capital, have a company, and then so I was like, okay, there's one. I know I know at least one person doing it, and then so let me go ask some questions, and that was hugely helpful. Um, so step to- one, find somebody that had experience and and ask them the questions, find out what they did to succeed, and so that's you know finding a mentor, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's part of that was actually one of the biggest things uh, both at school and in, in military, they taught us it's like always have a mentor and a career mentor, or any kind of mentor to, to help you along the way. Uh, so, you know, taking that lesson learned into the entrepreneurship, it was like, all right, I don't like, I'm never going to know all the answers, but plenty of other people ahead of me have went through the challenges or and if anything, find someone who knows how to do step one. <laughs> right. So you find out step one, start asking questions and and then where to go from there yeah so one of the uh first advice that she gave me was make sure you get co-founders um and then also you know separately doing research found that because I, I knew that this kind of company what we're building we're, we wanted to bring a new type of product to market um that wasn't you know just a iteration of something that just already existed yeah. um and because of that i knew that that's going to require a lot of upfront capital to be able to build and bring this into market. Um, so I was like, all right, and I, th- I think the best way to go about this is raising venture capital. So that was step one. And then step two was like, all right, I have to do And between some research and advice, it was like, hey, it's best to go about it with co-founders. Uh, trying to go at it alone is not possible, but it's there's a number of things that cause startups to fail and to be pretty much want to mitigate uh, against those risks and having co-founders heavily mitigates that. So you understand cyber, you understand tech, you understand where you want to take this business. What were some of the things you thought of going through the process of a co-founder? I mean, to say I need a co-founder is one thing, but to put yourself in the position to bring the right person in, what were some of the things that you looked at? Yeah. So uh, one of the biggest things that I was thinking about is like, all right, I'm going to build a team. So one thing that wouldn't have been helpful is for me to grab a bunch of my cyber buddies and try to start this company because we all have the same skills. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's not impossible to do it that way, but if you're essentially starting at a disadvantage because, um, you know, if everyone knows how to do the same thing, then also everyone's probably interested in doing the same thing. And, you know, as, as we all know, as entrepreneurs, there's like so many things to do. And the more you can diversify, the better. So I, I looked at myself and said, okay, here are my strengths and here are my weaknesses. Who can, who do I know that's experts in those other fields um, or is at least interested in becoming an expert in that field that isn't interested in doing what I'm good at? Yeah. So round out the team. I love that. I think that's a great idea. And uh, for me, I have a business partner and it, it you know, it's kind of the same, like we understand our strengths and weaknesses and to, to stay in that lane and, and be able to go forward with your strengths and rely on them. It, I think you can create something so much bigger than if you just try to do it yourself, unless you surround yourself with a team, they don't have to be a co-partner, right? But a team that can help you in that. So, all right. So you, 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 you know who you want to bring in, did you go and interview a bunch of people or did you find somebody right away? Uh, yeah, actually the process took, I would say about four months of me asking you around. Uh, so yeah, I, def- I definitely actually did interview a number of people uh, across a lot of different fields. 
Um, so there, there was, it was a bit of a process and it, it, a lot of it was some people were like, oh, this is like a really cool idea, but I don't know if like I'm the right person. Like, oh, I don't really know about this idea. <laughs> like, yeah, but, and but the best part of it too, in terms of investors, when they're, why they want to see co-founders is, you know, if you can't even convince uh, someone to join you on your team as a the co-founder and the founding team, like how are you going to convince customers and how are you going to convince investors? So uh, that, that was part of that initial challenge. And so what were some of the other things in that this initial phase that you were going through that, you know, the remote start nation can learn from? Obviously, it sounds like you, you know, it took you a, a little bit of time to find the right person. Uh, what are some of the other challenges that you were facing during this time? Yeah, so, I mean, one, one was just starting from having no community. Um, again, my early no startup or entrepreneur community. Um, again, I'm like, it's one thing to say I always wanted to start a business, but like I didn't spend enough time being immersed in that community. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's really not, so I, I kind of just like brute forced my way into it, but I, I definitely wouldn't recommend it that way because it took a lot of like starting from zero to like, let me go talk to everyone I know immediately. Um, but there's, you know, a lot of communities out there. I've actually started even DC area, a, a bit of a happy hour uh, networking events um, because, you know, it's like, it's, there's a lot of people that have a lot of different challenges um, and a lot to learn from. And also a lot of people that are, are trying to offload their business. Some people are just out there that love to give mentorship. Um, that, that was the biggest challenge was having no community to start with. So when you went into this community, and I think community is so important, and I'm, I'm, I'd love to see that you submerge yourself in it. Did you have a business plan already written out? Was it just an idea? Where were you at in this stage? So the remote start nation can know like, you don't have to start with, you know, you don't have to have everything figured out, right? Like part of joining the community is to bounce your idea off of like-minded individuals who might have that experience that you don't have yet. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I feel like I get this question a lot, business plan or what, do I need to go out and buy business cards today? <laughs> right? um, answer is definitely no. Uh, so for us, I knew that we wanted to go, business model-wise, I knew we wanted to go after Pretty much a no business model like the SaaS model. Uh, so part of that was, you know, what kind of business model works well with, you know, product-based company that works, the software-based uh, product-based company that's also um, attractive for venture capitalists of what works in their, you know, in their ecosystem. Uh, so that the that led us that way. Obviously, like you know, pricing and everything else is, is all going to be its own experiments later. But in terms of the very base, I was like, I know roughly how we're selling it and roughly what we're selling um and it, honestly everything after that is gonna need experimentation it's, it's there's there's no way you'll be able to write a business plan and fully execute that business plan 100 percent like on yeah the but even if right. you're given a pre-built one for a pre-built you know type of company so if you're doing a coffee shop and someone handed you the coffee shop business plan you're still going to need to modify it afterwards. And, and business plans are meant to change. And that's the, they're meant to evolve. They're meant to, you know, adapt and, and, and change with where you're growing in business. And so I find, and even interviewing a lot of other entrepreneurs on this podcast, like I find that 
you don't have to have, it's almost worse if you spend all this time putting together this huge, you know, business plan. It's better to have little steps of where you want to go to understand your ultimate goal, the value you want to provide, and then figure out as you're building this, figure out how to get there. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, actually even more so than that, I remember having a business plan template that we were filling out just to have our thoughts on paper. Um, and there were sections of it that I was like, I don't like, I have no idea how to fill this out yet. And then, and we actually do like a annual business plan update. We're in the process of the math, but, um, part of it's honestly just internally so that we can make sure that we're realigned, but also it's nice to see the differences of a year of how much things change. Um, and every year that goes by makes those components of that business plan easier and easier to sell out. Um, which is definitely something that I just remember in the very beginning being like, I have no idea how to do this. And then a year later being like, oh, okay, I can do it. This is easy. And then a year after that, it's like, oh yeah, no, we were, we were, we were insane for writing that down. (laughs) I love it. So let's take a step back for a second and we'll continue in a minute of, you know, the journey and and the steps, but tell the remote start nation about your business. What, what is Phalanx? What do you do? Yeah. So what uh, Phalanx is offering for is we're actually a central hub where organizations are able to manage and control access to their digital files across their entire organization. So what that really means is if you have like Google Drive and you have some files on your desktop and you have stuff in Microsoft Teams, you know, or you're using you know, email, all that is opportunity for that data to get lost. So, you know, biggest problem is that, you know, we understand and businesses understand who's accessing their database or other SaaS tools because, you know, all the logging in that you do, people understand you know, who's badging into their buildings, but no one really has a good sense, and especially not a centralized way to manage it, for who's opening their files. <laughs> so the best you can do is kind of the files that are on in the cloud, kind of get that information, but it's still hard to wrangle it. Um, and you, usually the stuff on the desktops is, uh, you know, you're on your own. <laughs> and yeah. so especially if someone were to take a file, so let's say to another location they're not supposed to be or someone stole it, um, you would have no idea that people are accessing that data. So we, we've built a way to centrally control and manage that and then use the existing platforms that people are on. So instead of telling you to say, hey, now you have to do the failings platform to manage your data, it's like, hey, I'm on Google, I'm using Google. I'm on 365, I'm using Windows, Mac, whatever. Um, and that was a key part that we felt was very important to let people be people and we'll bring the security. Excellent. So through your, through your software, I have a file in Google Drive. How does that, how does that work? Yeah, so uh, we actually are leveraging uh, encryption. Um, so we individually encrypt every document. Um, and then we make the decryption and the access of that very easy. So for example, uh, let's say you have Google drive or just on your desktop, um, we would come through, everything would be individually encrypted. So there's different keys for every file. Um, so, and what's cool about that is that it allows you to pretty much interface with that file in the same way you would just normally. So there's other encryption styles essentially encrypt the larger areas. And when it does that, anything within that area, it's scrambled, unaccessible until you unlock all of it. Um, wow. So we're like, hey, let's try to make that as small as possible to make decrease the, the burden while having that security. 
But uh, what's cool about that is we also made it, again, easy. So you would just double click a file. It would open up. So like from your side, hey, it's easy. Um, and we do have an authentication that happens similar to you logging into the website. Um, so that way, you know, that's where that's tracking that who's logging into what. But from the actual interface with it, it's not like you have to open both sailing sack or anything. Everything's at the Cool. That's it's exciting. I uh and and at the end of the episode we'll ask where to find it and where people can connect with you to, you know, to to find out more about your business. Um we talked about, you know, having the idea and where you wanted to go, finding, you know, that that co-partner. What a and then we talked about community. Let's let's go from there. Uh was now the time that you wanted to try to go out and get funding or was there a lot more to be done before that? Um, yeah, so it's a hard answer to say the question answer in terms of there's definitely not a, a right answer to this. For us, we wanted to go pretty much immediately and start raising capital. Um, again, we knew that there was a big uh, upfront cost to be able to build a product uh, yeah. that is just technical and be able to push it out, especially because we were targeting uh, enterprises. Yeah. Uh, so any kind of B2Bs, longer sales cycle, higher requirements, and it's not as easy to just like, put it in someone's hand uh, and have them run off with it, especially in the security round too. There's also a level of uh, confidence that we need to be able to provide to those organizations that they can trust us. Um, so we went out immediately to raise some capital, uh, which again was, was something that is not necessarily super, uh, wasn't super obvious for us how to do that. Um, what helped a lot actually is we went through an accelerator. Um, we went through the Techstars Accelerator in New York City. Uh, the one based out of New York City that is, uh, they have them worldwide actually. Um, and we also applied to a Y Combinator. Um, we ended up getting accepted to Techstars before the end of the application Ycom, so we ended up re uh, rescinding that. Uh, but those two I definitely would recommend. I know there's actually a lot out there right now. Um, and there's a lot of different styles of how they go about, uh, asking for various things, but this one is they take some equity and they also uh, do a separate investment. Uh, and some people will complain about the amount of equity. I think ours is like 6% maybe. Um, you can all find it online. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, but we were, you know, super early stage. It was, it was great for us. Um, but honestly, the network there is it's still an active network. We reach out to Techstars founders all the time. Um, people are so, uh, friendly and able to, you know, willing and able to help you. Uh, but that's like that fast tracked our ability to fundraise for sure. Because without that, um, I didn't, I didn't have a network of investors. Like you got to go back to the community. Like if you start meeting people first, then when you want to go do something like this, then you actually have some people to talk to. I didn't know any venture capitalists. So I was like, I don't know. Talk to. Yeah. Um, but that again, fast tracked all that helped us immensely um, to be able to do, to do that. Community is so important, and I'm glad you hit on that because I was gonna, I was gonna circle back around and say, "Remote Star Nation." Again, it comes down to your community, and you know, you hit on something that I want to make sure we all understand. It's different for everyone. Your community might not be the same, and it depends on what type of business you're starting. It depends on what you're looking to do, who you're looking to connect with. So you have to take the approach of doing the research to find out the best fit for what you're trying to do. And it sounds like you did that with Techstars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they definitely uh, definitely helped us uh, better, I guess, refine our business for sure. 
Um, going into it, though, you definitely want to be a company that wants to be venture backed and goes down that path. Um, so I wouldn't say like if, if you're on the line between maybe I should do services, maybe I should do products, like figure that out first for sure before yeah. you go down the accelerator, at least those kind of accelerator routes. There's other kind of accelerators out there, I think, for um, like small business style in certain regions. And they're all aimed at you know, building the community in that region. Um, definitely focus on those then. But yeah, the, it, I would say like number one, honestly, before even like incorporate or register, <laughs> figure out what kind of business you want to do because that determines on what kind of funding you can go after and you want to go after, um, which will also determine the end of the end of your life cycle for that business, whether you have to exit in some way, whether it can be something you can hand off to your children. Um, it all really starts with what are you actually trying to build? <laughs> that is a great point. That is a very, very good advice. Thank you for that. You came from a military background and, you know, we, we've talked about the traditional, you know, funding, but did you also have access to other you know, types of, of grants or loans or anything like that, that might help with, you know, other, uh, ex-military, um, individuals listening to the podcast. Yeah. So, um, and actually it's not even limited to ex-military, um, or veterans, um, but there are a number of uh, government grants out there. And this, so I had a lot of experience with this for one, just kind of growing up in the defense contractor world and then had uh, worked in a, at a contractor for a little bit uh, as well. Um, but yeah, there, there's actually a number of uh, both grants and contracts out there designed for small businesses. Um, it, you know, it could feel like a very daunting thing to go after. And it kind of is, which is uh, you know, unfortunate. Um, but they, there's a couple different ways that the government is trying to be able to get in new adventures or small businesses be able to uh, operate as well. Um, from a services standpoint, I'm not as uh, savvy on, on that process, but I do believe there pretty much every large contractor has a requirement to have a certain number of small contractors um, that work with them as subcontractors. So there is a route that way for smaller business. But uh, one that I'm more familiar with is called the SIBR, the Small Business Innovation Research uh, Contract and Grant. So there's every, not every department, a lot of departments have this kind of cyber grant that's really designed for uh, for small businesses to be able to go after. So like, for example, the UD style, they'll have like, let's say the department of the army, I was in the army, they have, uh, they're like, we need, you know, we need some innovative ideas on how to do some, you know, let's say new radio. So they'll put out a topic there and it's meant usually phase one, they'll give you like 150K for usually about like thir three months of period of performance. And usually the end result of that is just a white paper, even a study or like even a prototype or something like that. Um, so it's very, you know, accessible. So you don't have to have this massive lab. You don't, you don't have to have all yeah. the resources. Like, hey, it's you with an idea and the government with a need, you can go after it. Um, I think NSF uh, has some grants that are even less uh, specific on their topic. It's like hey, anyone in artificial intelligence or anyone in materials design or whatever, if you have a great idea, pitch to us. Um, and again, they'll toss you some money. And then if they like it, then they'll transition to another phase. And you, know, you can really start and grow your business that way. That's, that's a good point. Let's go to the pitch process. So we've already talked about, you know, the first three steps and that you went through and the community and the co-founder. What about the, you know, now you're really trying to get funding. 
Did you get rejected a lot? What were some of the things that you went through the the do's and the don'ts that you can share with the remote star nation? Yeah, so uh, I mean, definitely spoke to a lot of investors. <laughs> um, it's a lot of no's for sure. Um, but what's great is that uh, with the kind of volume of being able to speak to a lot of people and a lot, you actually learn for one. <laughs> I would say the at first it's investment money just seems like investment money but like the more you talk to uh different types of money within that you actually start to notice what people are looking for and it also goes back to their business plans right so like a venture capital firm is a business that has to run like a business so they have their own goals and they can only or so they, they need to have a certain you know roi to what they're investing in so something that is potentially like a two X return just isn't high enough with the amount of risk that they're putting in, um, and the you know the amount of other companies that potentially are failing um, within their portfolio. Uh, whereas private equity, two X return, sure we can do something else with that, um, or like an angel investor, which is using their own personal money, they they potentially also would be kind of like, <laughs> with two X, who knows? Um, but it, at the end of the day, they. They're investing in one off, like here, one here, one there. It could just be, they could have no real rhyme or reason behind it. They're like, hey, I just like you. I met you. Here's some cash kind of thing. Um, some of them are more formalized. We're like, I only invest in you know, cyber security companies at this kind of stage, at this kind of blah, blah, blah. Um, that's closer to more of like a venture firm. But some angels operating like that. Uh, and the venture firms also will have uh, what they call their thesis, which is more of more or less what they're looking for in a company. And again, they'll have different stages that they invest in. So not every venture capital firm is good for you at your current stage. Um, so definitely one thing that I would recommend is not talk, not talking to the biggest, baddest firm, you know, that let's say they only invest that the smallest check that they write is $10 million and you're looking to raise you know a million dollars. Like, that's just never going to happen. And you're wasting, you know, you're wasting their time and they're wasting your time. Like yeah. you know, both ways. It's like, this, this is just not going to be uh, beneficial for anyone. <laughs> so again, a lot of what we've covered today, there, there's a common theme and it's to do your research and understand your business and where you want to go before you jump into things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely um, a lot, a little planning goes a long way. Um, and that includes even just starting business. The biggest thing that uh, we learned and we didn't do, which is you know, beat us, we got beat up over it a lot, was we didn't fully understand the customer profile enough going into it. So, you know, it's like I like, and this is probably the, the biggest issue is because I had so much experience in the field that I knew what the market was missing, but I didn't know what the market's tolerance for purchasing was. Yeah. Uh, so there, and that was a huge gap, right? So it's like people, what people are trying to buy and what the market needs are like two separate things. And then, so it, it took us some extra time to take what the market needs and shape it into something that looks like what people are willing to buy. <laughs> that's a, that's a good call. Let's go back to the mentor and, you know, community as well. But, you know, what did you look for in a mentor? What did you look for even in the community? that you saw was really helpful that you want to make sure that that we take away from this? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, definitely goes back to knowing what are you trying to do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, instead of just kind of going out there and just, just saying, hey, let me just see what happens. Um, because 
you get what you ask for. And when you don't ask for anything, you get whatever is around. So that good, that this directly goes into your community too. So if you're just like, I'm looking for a business mentor, um, you know, you might get some great people, but you know, they'll, if their experience and their mentorship is, let's say they're, they're all, they've sold a, a bunch of tech startups. And, but like what you're trying to do is a service-based business. Like they're going to have a lot of advice about running, starting, growing, selling the tech startup, but that wouldn't necessarily be the right advice for you as a, someone who's trying to do, let's say brick and mortar, um, yeah. small business. It's going to be, right. they're going to have a lot of ideas that are just not going to be relevant or be good for you. Um, so that's definitely the first thing is just to go out and figure out what you're going to do and then find the people like that. And then for mentors, I would say find some across the spectrum in terms of, uh, stages. So almost like the, uh, venture capital, make sure don't shoot too far in advance. Make sure it's kind of like where you're at now. Right. Um, and maybe a couple that are in the next step to just, you know, keep, keep updated, uh, mentor wise, like definitely find one that's, and then, which has helped for us. One that had just been in our shoes recently, like in the last year or so, because they're going to have very tactical advice, very hands-on, uh, advice that is going to be very actionable. So like they, you know, maybe they don't know about the end state, but they know exactly how to do set one. When you're at zero, they know how to do one and two. And then, you know, having that actual advice is great. And then also have someone on the other end too, who's that step under it, who can tell yeah. you, because they can't tell you step one and two, because they don't, it's been so long, it's like 20 years. Right. But one step one and two looks way different it's later. And for two, it's, you know, it, it, I'm sure they don't keep that in their mind. <laughs> so, you know, but they know how to do step 100 and they can tell yeah. you, this is how you direct your vision towards 100. So look at somebody that can give you that high level overview of how to achieve success and then look for somebody that can give you actionable steps that are very close to where you're currently at. Yeah. 100%. Um, you know, one thing, and this kind of goes back to, you know, finding the right partner. Um, you know, it's one thing, and I, I imagine from like your stance of having that technical background, having that cyber background and understanding, and it, it goes back to what you said earlier with, you know, it wouldn't make sense for you to bring on other, uh, you know, employees or a co-partner that was doing the same thing as you. When it came to, you know, reaching out and marketing and, and really getting the product out there, did you, is that where you brought in the right partner to do that for you? Or did you reach out to a company? How did that look? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, we, we started... A anticipated the need for some sort of uh, non-technical help uh, from just because of, again, myself, I was like, I, I don't really have that. Like I have the deep technical knowledge. Um, I have a lot of like program management knowledge as well from that as well, but I didn't have like marketing sales knowledge <laughs> and yeah. neither had that much uh, desire to do a lot of that. Uh, obviously, you know, got to do what you got to do, but um, if I could find someone who passionate about it or at least like is willing to to jump in jump on that uh you know i was very interested in that so early on you know we we all it, and all those the three of co-founders we started it together um and we pretty much went into it knowing what our different things were um based off of our skill set so there actually wasn't a lot of conflicts in terms of uh everyone everyone just like knew what their roles were <laughs> yeah um and it, it was very obvious um but that being said, yeah, I mean, that's one of the biggest lessons, you know, that I would say a technical founder, because I've actually talked to a lot of people that, uh, especially 
that are highly technical, have been very successful in their careers um, down a technical path and are like, I'm going to do my own company. And for one, they go like, I'm just going to do it myself. I don't need anybody else. And the reality is building a really amazing product is just like the baseline. And that alone isn't going to, isn't going to suck. Like build it and they're not going to come. You have to do, you have to do sales, you have to do marketing. And if you're a solo founder, that means and you're a solo technical founder. That means you're doing sales and marketing. And I, most technical, or most technical people I know like hate that. So right. Um, just like that's when you say I want to be a solo founder, just know that you're saying I am going to be a sales and marketing person too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard to wear all the hats. It's and that's where it's, you know, I talk with a lot of entrepreneurs. It's like that are looking to start, and that's the first thing I ask them: like, what do you want to do? What's your why? Where where are you good at? Like, understand your weaknesses and be able to live with the fact that you're not going to be good at everything. Yeah, I mean, I, I usually people are like, how do you? you know, juggle everything. How do you, how do you do it all? Um, especially in the startups, there's always, there's always something else to do. Um, and I pretty much just say like, it's, a, it's like failing management. It's like, how do I fail at things in a way that keeps everything running? So yeah, knowing that there's never going to be enough time of the day to do all the things, pretty much how do I achieve just the things that matter? Like, how do I decipher through and filter to make sure I know what matters? And then how do I schedule that out and that if there's if there's time for and it was also nice is there's also so much unknown that things that you think are important end up not being important and that ends up just like shaking out at the end <laughs> that's that's great advice uh well ian our time is is coming to an end here but before i do let you go uh let the remote start nation know where they can find you yeah so um there's i guess two two areas um so if anyone's interested in Phalanx or any of that, um, you can reach us at, at phalanx.io. Um, that's our website. Um, or if you just Google Phalanx Cyber, we're usually at the, one of the top hits there. Um, but if anyone wants to just reach out to me personally or you know, ask me more about uh, startup stuff or entrepreneur stuff, I've also done a uh, personal blog on the side, just kind of detailing and uh, keeping track of just lessons learned and kind of tools and tips and tricks. Uh, that have come a long way. And that's at crowdfuel.co. And then they can actually email me also directly at Ian at crowdfuel.co. That's awesome. Thank you for that. One more question. What's the biggest takeaway? The one thing that we either talked about or we didn't get a chance to talk about today that you want to make sure the remote start nation understands and can leave with? Yeah. So the biggest thing is if you want to do any kind of entrepreneurship, start now or start yesterday, pretty much. Because that was the biggest thing for me. I, I waited so long. Uh, for like 10 years, I was like, I, like, oh, let me find the perfect idea. Let me like blah, blah, blah. And it's just like that. I'm, none of that matters. Just yeah. just go out and meet some people for one and then pretty much start. And then the other thing is just talk to potential customers. Like that's the number one. Like before you even like truly start, like when you have an inkling of an idea, find some potential customers to just talk to them before you build anything. And just, you know, if you're selling to consumers, find a hundred people, pitch your, pitch your idea to a hundred people, get the feedback. If you're doing businesses, find 10 businesses or people within those businesses, that will be buyers, pitch it to them. If it, and, I, and even though you don't have anything, if they're truly, if you have something that's good, get them on a wait list. So if you have a hundred people on a wait list for when you have it built, like that is amazing. Um, so I think a lot of people think they have to start with something and then go sell it, go sell it first. And then build what people want to buy. 
that is incredible value. That is absolutely gold right there. Ian, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. It's been awesome. Yeah, really appreciate being on. Thank you for the opportunity. Definitely. Well, Remote Star Nation, I hope you learned as much as I did today and can put some of what Ian shared with us to work for you. Thank you all for joining us on this journey. Remember, leave a comment, subscribe, but most importantly, share this episode with your community who you think can learn from what you heard today. Until next time, go start something, start today, and build the lifestyle that you desire by taking action. Well, we've come to the end of another episode. I want to thank you for allowing me to share my passion of bringing people together through business and branding in hopes to connect you with your community. I'd also like to thank our sponsor, Woodward Movement, the leader in brand identity, branded merchandise, and brand delivery. Check out our remotestartpodcast.com for more episodes and our social channels to join the conversation, access show notes, and discover our fantastic free resources to help you build a strong community for your business. I'm Jim Doyon. Thank you for connecting.